It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 21st of February. What will Quinn Snyder do this year? A look into the adjustments and changes we'll see from head coach Quinn Snyder, a signature of his career thus far. Plus, it's a Facebook Live Thursday edition taking your questions and your thoughts. It's all coming up next on Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, lots of geeky numbers, and a look at what's going on. You can get this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. When you get in your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Good morning to Alex and Joshua and the others that are on our Facebook Live edition today. We'll get to your questions as we continue uh, on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group, as often the Facebook Lives are intercap lending and slow the flow. Uh, Thanks very much to our sponsors that allow this show to continue to roll along. All right, the, um, the... Lead to the show today, I want to talk about kind of Quinn adjusting and what he does, but I want to just, you know, I hope you heard Joe Ingles yesterday uh, meeting with the media. His son Jacob, autistic, early diagnosis, two and a half years, they old and they went public with it and he explained why and talked about it and was really honest about it. And um, it was interesting. I think that the the telling moment of it was that, you know, when Joe signed his big contract, he said, we're going to have an impact in this community and leave a stamp and, and be able to do things in this community. And he had openly admitted that the, he and Renee have been having a hard time kind of finding out what that is, right? We have such great philanthropy in the community. There's so many different things going on. How do we go and find a, a message and how do we go find a, a look, you know, that's going to be what we are and who we are and in our charity work and that this obviously has given them great direction. And the reason that they went public with their son's autism was one, lack of awareness, predominantly their own lack of awareness. And then the other thing on autism that's so difficult is is there just does seem to be a incredible correlation between money spent in uh, I guess it's called occupational therapy, or I don't really know what it's called. Um, you know, money, direct money spent to results. Um, and that just feels just really unfair. And so if you can, if we can increase the awareness of what it takes and what's going on and then hopefully increase the funding and increase uh, the charitable work toward it, then maybe some of those people that aren't as fortunate as Joe and Renee are able to get some access to help uh, in that circumstance. So, um, you know, I thought Joe was great yesterday, obviously going through a lot and kind of openly admitted that it's been hard. And I think that's a really, from a team standpoint, we look at it from a team, obviously it's a quick reminder of how human everybody is. Um, I think we've seen how human this team is a lot, which is a really you know, a pretty wonderful thing, actually. I mean, Rudy's tears when talking about his mom. Ricky Rubio talking about not wanting to be traded and his Twitter stuff. Donovan is just pretty darn real. Um, and now you have Joe kind of openly admitting what he's been going through 
um, with the finding out is you know the diagnosis and all the things that they've been dealing with and that coming to the the building at times was he actually didn't talk about it as though it was a sanctuary he talked about it it was hard for him to to amp up at times what i think's interesting there is that you if you go back to our culture code interviews that or cult, yeah culture code interviews that we did earlier this year one of the main questions i asked all the guys is you know, if you bring one person into a group, all these studies show, and even if they don't, you know, make a lot of contributions, they pick up the group and give it great energy and, and, and make everyone around them feel better. Um, the fact is, that's Joe Ingles on this team more often than not. And so if Joe has been a little off, then the fact that the group has rallied around him to pick him up is awesome and interesting, but also... It is interesting of what was the impact on the group that Joe was a little off, that Joe might have been a little surlier, that Joe's having a tough year. So lots lots there kind of in the inner dynamics of the group because Joe's such an integral figure to who the Jazz are and how they've reacted. Quinn had some interesting comments about that yesterday. Um, so those are those are all probably up at utahjazz.com, I would suspect. Uh, I had it on Facebook or Instagram Live yesterday. But those are those are questions that I think – uh, or comments that I think were were worthwhile. All right, let's look at the what do we expect uh, from Quinn, and what adjustments might the Jazz make? Last year, a lot of them happened. They were in the process of happening, but they couldn't really happen until Joe Johnson got traded, and they couldn't really happen until um, Rodney Hood moved on. Um, but you, if you kind of go back and look. At the Jazz last year, I think you would see that some of those were taking place. I feel as though there's some things that have begun to happen here right before the break, and then you get Quinn to get nine days to do actually extra preparation, and I think you begin to see some of some of those items. So if we look at the Jazz month by month, there's, there's some interesting trends, at least um, in my book. Some of it, again, as this I've never been with a year – where I feel like scheduling has had such a tremendous impact on every piece of analysis. Um, I mean, even to the point where Oklahoma City this year is 15-9 and nine against above 500 teams. They deserve incre- – that's awesome. Like, that should make you believe that OKC really might be the second-best team in the West. They're 15-9 and nine against above 500 teams. The Jazz are 15-20. and 20. Okay, so that's not as good as 15-9, but where did the extra 11 games come from? Like, that's incredible. We're 15 and 20 against above 500 teams, and the Thunder are 15 and 9. Now, that's theirs is way better, but you kind of wonder if you only had to play 24 games instead of 35 against above 500 teams, wouldn't we be five games better in the standings? It's how I felt all year long on this. Um, all right, here's some things that I think I've noticed a little bit here, and you start to. I love. Um, breaking games down in 10-game windows of the season. I think it can kind of reveal a few things to you of what are taking place. One is that the Jazz have been on a continuous uptick in regards to pace of play. So we opened the year playing about 101 possessions a game. We went to 102, and we're now up at 103 and recently been close to 104. It. I'm not actually always in love with increased pace of play, Um I actually think that when we get into a half-court set and really kind of work it a little bit, it 
is when we get to be our best. But due to some of the characteristics of our team, that has not been always the best uh, result. We are not good early in shot clocks, which is interesting either. So that's been a huge emphasis from Quinn to get better and early in the shot clock and better off other teams' misses. That'll be the key thing for me to watch. In There's two areas where I think you've really got to watch the Jazz in the second half of the season. One is the Jazz are committing, which is right about the league average, about eight live ball turnovers a game. I hate turnovers. It's a, it's a ridiculous statistic that doesn't tell a story. But if you dig into it, the Jazz seem to be committing about eight live ball turnovers a game, um, and that hurts you. Now, the Jazz, interestingly, are one of the better defensive teams in the league after turnovers. I think it's because Quinn coaches the Euro foul um, really, really well, um, and they and they just do a good job of that. The Jazz have been their 14th in the league after a turnover defensively this year. They're fifth in the league defensively after a defensive rebound. In other words, they're getting back into transition, and they're the third best half-court defense. So if the Jazz are going to make a run defensively, it's actually going to be a little bit of, hey, let's try not to, you know, some of these live ball turnovers. Um, One thing the Jazz do well is their, their teams are 28th in the league in how long they hold on to the ball after that live ball turnover. So the Jazz get back defensively and try to get it to replicate a half-court possession as much as they possibly can. So that's one area where I think we'll see the Jazz improve. And another area where there'll be a big, huge focus is a play off of misses. Um, and transition off of misses. Uh, the Jazz are 29th in the NBA uh, when they get in transition after a defensive rebound. They they just they don't do it a great deal, but more importantly, they don't do it very well. Um, if you look at the Jazz offense, after uh, uh, they're 18th after a made, 20th after a defensive rebound, 18th after a turnover. So they're pretty consistent across the board. But they're they're 29th in the league in transition off of a defensive rebound. Um, So when they push, they don't push well, and I think there'll be a large focus uh, in that regard. There's one other area where I think I've seen Quinn adjusting. I'll touch on that when we come, and then we'll take your questions. As we continue on Locked on Jazz, every day when you get in your car, you can just tell your smart device, play podcast, Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group, Rob Taylor. And the crew out at Shamrock built Shamrock Auto Group out in Pleasant Grove, Utah. And they largely built it because he wanted to change the car buying experience that people got um, on. And so what he did is he went and found um, a guy he knew and and it looked at a bunch of people and found somebody who had been in the business for a long time as a technician and told him, I want you to be my car buyer. Because then I know everything I'm getting is going to be of value. Most of the cars at Shamrock Auto Group are 6 to 12 months old with five to 20,000 miles. Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, Utah County assault vehicles. Uh, they're an independent car dealership. People come from all across the state as well as out of the state. You can pick up the phone and call Rob and literally say, this is what I'm looking for. He'll send... Brady or one of his guys out to go find it for you and then bring it into town. They promise you that you are going to, they're a lean company, so they're not going to take hours in the sales process. The margins are too tight for that, so there's, boom, we're going to get you out, get you taken care of, give you the test drive, 
uh, and make sure you have a great experience. Call Rob, 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250 if you have any questions about things. Rob says, better cars, no drama, great pricing. We'll get you into truck and sedan. And the most important thing to him is the incredible Google reviews that exist about Shamrock Auto. Uh, All sorts. Go check it out. Out-the-door pricing in five minutes. Test drive by yourself. Buying experience under an hour. It's Shamrock Auto Group in Pleasant Grove. Today's show is also brought to you by Slow the Flow. The Water All-Stars. You guys um, are absolutely fabulous and always play along with my fun things, but no one seems to be grasping the Slow the Flow locked-on idea. idea. Email me at dlock09 gmail and tell me, the fun little thing you've done because of Slow the Flow. That's what I want to do. I want to show how we as a group are being environmentally conscious. I know it feels like the streaky shooter that is Utah is dumping water and snow everywhere. Uh, right now, all the water is frozen since it's frozen outside. But it is super important. There's great things you can do. I'm setting my Google uh, device to, uh, I literally tell it. Google, set a timer for four minutes. When it beeps, I'm in and out of the shower because if you shower one less minute every day, you save 1,875 gallons of water a year. If you get the ultra-low flow shower head, you can save 2.5 gallons every minute of your shower. It's slowtheflow.org. You love Utah. We all do, so make sure you slow the flow and save H2O. All right, before we get into the next part of this, i got to share something that's funny that goes on. So Facebook, because of all of its community stuff, has added um, – has added that if somebody, one of my friends, pops on, it tells me. So my good friend Shannon, who you guys have actually heard about a little bit, she's the name I've written on my hand for the Qualtrics uh, 5 for the fight whenever that has taken place, um, when we've had those events, and she's battling, she's sitting home, day off chemo right now, listening, is up listening. So there's great pressure to try to be entertaining. And then I just got um, a Doug Dust popped on and says is watching. I don't know if you guys can see that. Doug and I went to college together. I've not seen each other for like 25 years. This was not how I really intended to see my buddy the, the next time. But anyway, uh, shout out to Doug for stopping by. It's kind of funny how Facebook um, does that. Uh, yeah, thanks, Shannon. You'll get me too. All right, let's get back to basketball because that's what um, I can hide in my little comfort zone and talk about. Uh, the other area where I think we've seen Quinn begin to adjust before we get to the questions is some lineup stuff. We began to see Royce O'Neal playing a little bit of four um, there at the end of the break. We began to see the Jazz playing. Tabo actually didn't play the other night. Uh, Quinn talked about Tabo the other day. We're, we're beginning to see Quinn go. I feel like for the, for the most recent time, what the Jazz have done is usually have gone and had you know, and sometimes they'll say, put your five best players together. If we're honest, our five best players don't mesh very well. Uh, and so I think we're seeing an evolution from our five best players to the five that work best on the floor together. So we've seen 44 possessions of Rubio Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Royce at the five, four with Rudy Gobert. It's been incredible. It's a very small sample size. But for right now, it's plus 57 per 100 possessions. They've only been on for 44. So that's a little bit of a new kind of wrinkle that we've seen there. And as Dante comes back and Howell Neto just has great value, we may see Neto with Dante at the two playing with Joe Ingles, playing with Royce O'Neal. We, I, I have a feeling we haven't been playing Favors and Gobert a great deal together, um, but I have a feeling we're going to see less and less of it 
and more and more of the of the group kind of spreading out. And when you look at Favors and Gobert together, and you listen, look at where they've had success recently. It's not against the playoff teams. Against the Warriors, they were minus four in twelve minutes. Against the Spurs, they were minus five, only could play five minutes together. Against Atlanta, they were plus fifteen. Against Portland, they were minus two in ten minutes. Against Minnesota, they were even in twelve minutes. They were, and Minnesota plays Taj Gibson, so that's a lineup where it should work. But even on those, it's and Minnesota's the one team we can really score against. Against Denver, it lasted for only five minutes. Against Portland, it was minus three for nine minutes. Against Cleveland, it was good. Against the Clippers, it was good. Against Detroit, who plays two bigs, it was good. Against Chicago, it was plus 21. Against the Lakers without LeBron, it was plus seven. Against Orlando, it was even. Then you get to a good game against Milwaukee, minus nine. The previous matchup with Detroit wasn't as good, minus 13. Against Cleveland, it was positive. Against Toronto, it was minus 18. You start to kind of run against New York. It was actually minus. Against Philadelphia, a good team. It was minus nine. It was good against Portland on Christmas. Uh, against Oklahoma City, it's actually been okay. So you start to break down where that favors Gobert lineup's working, and it's working against the lesser teams when the Jazz offensive inadequacy with that lineup isn't as big a deal. The offense with those two guys on the floor is in the 11th percentile, I think, or maybe 19th percentile for the season of all lineups. And I think we'll begin to see a little bit less and less of that. This is actually a um, home phone, which I don't know why we have because people just call us all the time with nothing. But So uh, the lineup with Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Favors, and Gobert is in the 13th percentile offensively it's in the 87th percentile defensively so about the exact same and so it's pretty close to even but you know with Crowder we're plus 15 instead of favors um some of our bench units are pretty good uh the one that doesn't seem to be working as well as Rubio Mitchell Royce Jay Crowder and and Rudy Gobert uh, but most of the time we spread this thing out it works if you if you kind of look when we have Derek here, here's the rundown, and I just this is kind of my feeling is we'll see a little less of this in the final 25 games um, of the season. Um, when we have Favors and Gobert on the floor, the offense, no matter who is with them, is 12th percentile offensively, 97th percentile defensively. So it's great; it's plus two. It, it really, it really works uh, defensively. But when we're playing the better teams, that offensive problem is real. Uh, when you put Gobert on the floor without Derek, we're, it's in the 92nd percentile overall of all performance, 75th offensively, 91st defensively. So it's actually just about as, you know, it's close to as good defensively. It's plus nine per 100 possessions. Um, when you put favors on the floor without Rudy, and this is an area where Derek is, as I thought, you know, my feeling is it has improved greatly uh, this year. Uh, Derek's defense has been better. He's been more active. The offense is still not great. It's in the 29th percentile, but the defense is in the 77th percentile. We're minus 1.4. So what's interesting is we're actually a little bit better when we play both Derek and Rudy together than we are when we just play Derek by itself, but we're best when playing Rudy by himself. And every minute that we're playing Favors and Gobert together is a minute Rudy's not playing by himself with a spread floor, and that's hurting us a little bit. Um, so there's we can improve a little bit in that regard uh, as well. All right, let's get to some of your questions. Can you please help me defend Exum to all the haters out there? 
when he's healthy, he's worth his contract. I mean, time's going to tell whether he's worth his contract, frankly. I don't want to – I mean, Ryan, I, I would say there's a legitimate argument on Dante on both ends. One, he's got to prove he can stay healthy. It's not his fault he tore his ACL. It's not his fault he sprained his ankle. But he's got to learn how to stay – not his fault he hurt his shoulder. Two, he's got to be consistent. He played five really, really good games before he got hurt. But, um, you know, the concept of the contract is a three-year deal where he gets better as the contract stays flat. So maybe this year we had money, you're paying a little extra for him, and then by the end you're hoping he's an $18 million player on an $11 million contract. So I think time's going to tell uh, on that one. All right. Uh, what are your thoughts of the whole Zion Williamson college players getting paid thing? If I was Zion Williamson's parents, I would never let my kid play one minute of college basketball. I've said this. If I had a top 10, top 15 kid, they're not going to college. They're not getting a college experience. They're not taking classes. They're pulling out of school the minute March is over, maybe even already by now because nobody can report it. Um, so they're, there's, they're getting no benefit. Colleges don't do anything for them. They have limited training staffs. So they have limited practice time. There's, there's no reason why I would ever allow my kid to play college basketball for a year so they can make billions of dollars while my kid risks the injury like Zion Williamson last night or New Orleans Noel or so many others. I would take my kid. I would sign a deal with an agent, make him ineligible. We, he would either go get the worldly experience of playing again in Europe against men and getting paid or playing in Australia in their program but more likely I'd have the agent give us an advance he's going to make plenty of money if my kid's that good and I'd set up a training staff to make him physically stronger I'd have him spend a bunch of time at programs like P3 and build him up into a year of physical training he loses a year of playing but if he's that good we'll be fine and then put him into the NBA the next year I have no doubts that would be the right way uh, to do it. Uh, today's show brought to you by Intercap Lending. It's such a great story. I got another great email the other day from Brock about their, their growth and, and how great the 2019 start is. And I just love it when a company uh, joins in with us. Uh, we hopefully promote them a little bit. They do incredible work. We have a little tiny piece of the puzzle uh, in which we promote them and, you know, get their name out there, and then they answer the bell and do amazing work. And that's what Intercap Lending has done. Intercap Lending, I can speak firsthand, they did our uh, mortgage refinance last year during the middle of the season and saved us a tremendous amount of money and also just had a great experience. Steve Carter was amazing, and that's what we keep getting from uh, Locked On Jazz listeners who email me or email Steve and tell us about the experience. For example, uh, Clayton and Sarah Winslow s said Steve Carter at Intercap Lending did a fantastic job with a refinance for Sarah and I. The process was seamless, very quick. We reached out with a time crunch. He really made it happen. Intercap and Steve is by far the best mortgage company we've dealt with and we'll recommend them highly to anyone who needs a mortgage or a refi. Brad Hickman sent us something very similar. Uh, Intercap Lending has been the best experience I've had in a refinance and a home loan. Steve Carter gave detailed options custom for my own situation the loan process was made easy by the experience knowledge timelessness and personable nature steve i would agree steve went over and above dnr is done you can give steve a direct call at 385-800-8528 that's 385-800-8528 intercap lending nmls number 190465 for more information visit intercaplending.com Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Hi, Dave. I've been wondering for some time, something for quite a while. I've noticed after watching the Jazz on offense, after a shot goes up, mostly mid-ranger three players are turning and running to the other end. Uh, no, uh, so what you're seeing is the Jazz emphasize back in transition, get set in the half-court defensively, let the biggest strength of the team, the number one team in the league, defensively in the half court, dig in rather than going after an offensive rebound. Either Favors or Gobert can go after an offensive rebound, but that's not an area where the Jazz are trying to be great and they're even. They're they're even. Um, and Rudy and Derek both have an incredibly strong understanding of when to go for that rebound and when not to. So it's been. Uh, it's that's that's a conscious effort for the defensive purpose. Will O'Neal play more four in the second half? I think so. I mean, I think that's my whole. I think we'll see more spacing. I think we'll see more pace with the spacing. I think we'll see more pace. I think we'll see more trying to get early action on the rim. Um, we're not, you know, in our numbers are better than league average as we get laid into a shot clock, but we're not great at it. If that makes sense, we're good at it. It's just not a great way to live. Um, oops, I think I just turned the camera around. I did. Uh, good morning, David. Love the show. It seems like the Jazz offense loves the dribble handoff, always setting a pick for the ball handler. What's the offense advantage of doing that all the time? Um, is that a product of not really having pure isolation create your own shot players? You're exactly right, Richard. First of all, we just don't have isolation, very good isolation players. Um, Rodney was okay at it. Uh, Alec did it some but wasn't very good at it. Uh, and Donovan's okay at it, but we're not a predominantly isolation team. And our pro one of our greatest strengths is the pick setting of Rudy Gobert. And you're trying to, you know, in a day and age of defense that switch into a lot of different things, Quinn wants to make the other team try to make as many decisions as possible. Uh, and I think that's a little bit of what you're seeing there is if we can make the other team make as many decisions as possible as a shot clock winds down, it's why we're so much better than league average late in shot clocks is because teams make uh, mistakes in that regards. Players who've had the most isolations in the league, it's pretty incredible. Harden has 1,071, and Blake Griffin has 661 um, as the next. Uh, our leading guy is Donovan Mitchell. I'm trying to find him here. He's 43rd in the league. He gets .84 points per um, isolation. I can run a quick number of the top. Let's do the top 100 isolation guys. So that is 70 isolations. Give me one second here. Um, 
of the top 70 guys, Donovan's points per isolation ranks 80th, tied with Russell Westbrook. Uh, Evan Fournier, Ben Simmons, LaMarcus Aldridge. So 80th out of the top 100 guys in isolation is our number one isolation guy. We're going to run a lot of dribble handoff and do things of that nature. Now, if we spread the floor, it's worth noting. Like, if we do what I think we're going to do, which is spread the floor more often and play, let's see if that helps Donovan's isolation game. Do you think the Jazz will make the playoffs? Yes. I think we'll be the fifth seed, winning 50 games, playing Houston. Whose minutes will Dante cut into when he's healthy? I think the answer might be favors at the four. That's kind of what I'm leaning toward, is that Royce is playing well. You want to keep him on the floor. Dante brings value. <clears throat> I think they might be favors at the four. Um, it always stops me in my tracks when your shirt says, you, yeah, it does. It says it backwards. I have actually a shirt I'll wear <clears throat> that uh, has it the other way. Uh, thanks for giving us our fans something from going crazy during the very long All-Star break. I agree. I, I, I'm with you. I actually was like, what are we talking about today? Oh, good. Facebook Live. Uh, how crucial is us to get healthy? I mean, I think we're pretty healthy. Like, I'm not I'm not playing the injury card on us this year. I mean, I think that from a coaching standpoint for Quinn, like anytime you lose anybody from the rotation, I mean, it'd be great to be purely healthy, but almost nobody's purely healthy. And as long as your two main guys aren't hurt, which we had last year, like last year I thought was really a big injury crunch, and it was a little unique when we were missing three guys all at the same position. That definitely had a little bit of a push on on how you were going to get things done but you know if you the average player in the league plays about 71 games so somebody is going to be missing time kind of at all times like that that's just the reality of the burden of the league so I, I actually feel like we've been relatively healthy can the Jazz get to a three seed I don't think so listen to yesterday's show and then there's a link in yesterday's show page uh, with all the schedule breakdown information and I would be super surprised if we can get to the three seed. I have us as the five seed at 50. I think we might be able, if we're perfect down the stretch, get to 51 or 52. Uh, can the Jazz, this is a huge part of the Jazz fan base, there's quite vitriolic towards Exum. I mean, they just need something to complain about, I guess. I, I don't. I mean, I also saw somewhere the other day, it's time for Exum to start. Like, honestly, I couldn't have seen a stupider headline. Like, like what? Like so, the guy who hasn't been healthy for seventeen games—it's time for him to start. Like whoa! Like um, who actually really hasn't shown he's a point guard? Like that—that that was one of the most absurd headlines. And at the same time, you know, Alexum's going to be a star. It seems like somewhere in the middle is where we should be. <laughs> like let the guy just kind of develop. Are you wor- Are you worried ever? Donovan is spread himself too thin outside of basketball. He's incredible and such a good young man, but seems like overexposure combined with the inefficient play. Uh, I don't really worry about Donovan. I think he's got his head on his shoulders. Um, I don't think he's going to get hate around the league from his cohorts because he's such a great kid. Uh, I, 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 He's got a lot going on. There's a whole phenomenon that is Donovan Mitchell. He's openly admitted it and talked about it. I think that's what you got to do if you're a professional, and I think he's going to learn how to handle it. I think he's done a very – He's done a great job. He, he, he amazes me. Uh, I'm super impressed. Looks like Crowder is in love with jacking up the three. How efficient is it when he's shooting? The th- how effective? It's great. Super. That's awesome. Like, this is an interesting thing to me. Like, okay, so he is, I mean, Jay 
take shots and he takes contested takes takes some contested threes. And you know, he's only a thirty three percent three point shooter. So he's not you know, he's not a great shooter. That's kind of what he's been his whole career. He's never been a great shooter. He turned himself into an adequate shooter. He has the best shot distribution around it. About 55% of his shots are threes. Like, what would you rather have him do? Like, th- that's my, like, would you rather have him step into a mid-range shot that he doesn't make at a very high rate and and take that? Like, I like jacking up threes is a, is not a bad thing. Like we've got to get a ra- like if we put in the box score every night how bad we were on on non paint or non restricted area twos, we'd be talking about that. Like that's a far bigger problem when we're jacking up non restricted area twos, right? I mean, even like Faves is like a thirty five percent mid range shooter. So if he can make twenty two percent of his threes, it's almost a better shot. Like it's kind of I don't know. I don't buy that whole mantra um do i think the nba should do away with all-star weekend just give guys time off no i think i mean i think it's great like it's not you know it's also a lot of it is for house of highlights and instagram and um all those various things so i think um you know i i don't i don't see it as i don't see it as something that we it's fine uh, I went I had business meetings. I went to San Diego for a day with my daughter. I hung around here. I had a great ski day. Um, I've actually been pretty busy. Um, all right, I think we did it. Why don't the Jazz attack the paint and get the cherry stripe for? We go to the free throw line the fourth most amount of any team in the league. They must watch film. They settle for too many bad shots. I swear that would help them. They're soft. I wonder if you can read my mind right now. Be fun if you could. Probably get me in trouble. Have a great day. It is Locked on Jazz. Sam Amick joins me on Locked on NBA today as well. Go check that out. Tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NBA. Have a great day. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.